say, hey, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Just finished the first week of Easter. It's a Friday. Man, what what a great time to be alive. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad Lynn is over. Are you? Yeah, I had talked about that. And uh, so welcome everyone to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, with you today. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show on the podcast or on the radio. Great to be with you. Um, we took Holy Week off. Yeah. Which I think was appropriate. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was awesome. I'm serving at a, a parish now for the second year, St. Martin de Tours in St. Martinville. And, uh, you know, our team there has been through a whole calendar year, and now we're in year two. And you know this is like mm-hmm. things are just running more smoothly. Right. You kind of... Uh, it's not as wonky. Right. Just, and I was able to pray during Holy Week kind of in a new way, I think, where like I wasn't thinking about what had had to happen when or whatever. Yeah. I was just able to pray. It was awesome. So you I mean you did all the Triduum, all the services, all the liturgies. Mm-hmm. You know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, you know, uh, yeah. veneration, you yeah. know, the Easter vigil. Yeah, and we and we did such a beautiful liturgy, the the whole community. Um and we brought in a, a new Catholic, which has been a while in St. Martinville, small town. So one. one, and she's awesome. One new Catholic. Yeah, she was uh, Jewish, wow. and now she's Catholic. So it was a very biblical conversion story. But um, Yeah, there were multiple churches I talked around uh, here who, you know, the East Vigil brought in new Catholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the service we were at, the liturgy, the Easter Vigil on campus at Our Lady of Wisdom, they brought in five people, dunked them. They do full immersion baptism. Dunked them. That's awesome. And that's that's the best part of, uh, you know, the Easter Vigil. Yeah. You know, it's long, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to see, you know, five people get baptized. It's awesome. It is awesome. And it, it just renews the the mission of it all. I mean, that's that's really the mission statement, let's say. I mean, the... the um, the Eucharist might be the vision statement, mm-hmm. but the mission statement of the church is baptism, right? Literally, that's what Jesus said. Go into the whole world and baptize. I mean, this is the work of the church. I mean, if yeah. you, you know, we're in Easter and we're reading these readings about, you know, the resurrected Jesus appearing to the disciples and the apostles, right? Mm-hmm. And teaching them more and then empower them. And then we're in the book of Acts and you're seeing the church unfold, right? And, and then you hear this reading where the disciples go back to fishing and they're fishing and Jesus appears to them and you know cast your nets to the other side and you know they they load in 153 fish you know St Augustine says that you know at that point the science would say that there were 153 species of fish at that time that they knew about right mm-hmm. which symbolized you know going to the nations and bringing the gospel and you know there's this imagery of the apostles fishing you know after the resurrection that like that was that's the mission of the church to go fishing to 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 cast your nets and to bring people into the church. I think for for hundreds of years, thousands like that was like the masses. We've seen a huge decline, if we could be honest. Yeah, and I I personally believe that there's going to be another upswing of evangelization and people coming into the church, but it's gotten worse before it's going to get better. It's true, and and I think. Uh... We often talk about the late Pope Benedict the Sixteenth because he's heroes of ours, but but he captured it well with his. He had a, he had a consistent vision of the church as mission and communion, 
and both at the same time, right? The church is always on mission, but the church is also a communion of the baptized. So like mm. those of us who have accepted Christ, the church is that communion, um, but that communion has a mission. And there's this tension constantly throughout church history of getting the, the relationship right between mission and communion. And it is interesting that the American church, um, if you look at its history, it, it has a history of persecution. Not everybody likes Catholics in America in the 200 plus years that we've existed as a country, right? And so there's been some Catholic persecution. Even before the country was founded, people like St. Isaac Jogues and, and others that were martyred here, that came to spread the faith, they came on mission, and they were killed for it. Um, but when, the, when Catholics throughout the country became more accepted and prominent, our mission impulse went down, hmm. for sure. And our communion maintenance, let's say, became the priority. Yeah, and I think you know, we're kind of seeing a new persecution of Christians, you know, in the church That's right? Right. and Catholics and, 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 you know, sort of pushed away by society and hated yada, yada. And I do think, I think the church is going to become more alive during that time of I persecution, right. you know, p- become stronger. I, I, I just, I just see it in the Holy spirit. You know, it's interesting because, you know, this week, like you in like last Sunday, you know, you go through the triduum and the death of Jesus, and then on, on Easter Sunday, you know, he's risen, and you have these be- beautiful gospel readings. And then a week later, like, here we are approaching this Sunday, and, you know, the disciples are locked in the room. Jesus enters and breathes the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit to to what? To be on mission. Yep. I mean, plain and simply, like, like to, to go out into the world and bring the good news to Jesus. And, and you see this interesting transformation in the disciples, right? Like their life, their, their, their commitment, their, their strategy, mm-hmm. their mission. Like you see the transformation in Peter, who's literally no longer afraid to talk about Jesus in front of everyone, to, to even be persecuted, obviously, by it. To, I mean, we, we were reading this week in Acts where Jesus and, and John are walking into the temple, and this this crippled man is healed, you know, by, by their presence. He says, rise and walk, right? Like this is the same guy that denied Jesus Mm -hmm. during his most, you know, trying time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Peter's development. So he denies Jesus. I don't even know the guy, right? So his, his opportunity to be on mission in the courtyard with just a few people, Mm -hmm. um, he blows it. Right. But in repentance and then in the Holy spirit, he then, preaches to 3,000 people in that same area, yep. and then continues to preach. But he also needs to learn the lesson of communion. So there's this moment where he's interacting with um, Jews, become Christian, who think that everyone needs to become Jewish before they become Christian, if you remember this. And mm-hmm. so they're talking about observing the dietary laws, and Peter was kind of playing both sides. So his communion commitment was a little wonky, and Paul calls him out on it. Right? right? So how does Paul renew Peter's commitment? By renewing his mission, the mission to the Gentiles. And this is, this is a lesson Peter had to learn as the first, first pope. It's a lesson we need to learn today because we look around the church and we say we're so divided, right? We're so whatever. Okay, maybe, but what renews our unity? Our mission does. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's hard to explain in a way that actually energizes us. But the way we get closer to each other as a community is that we get on mission together. Mm-hmm. That's how the church's communion is fostered by its mission. And when we lose sight of our mission, well, of course we're going to start fighting each other. 
yeah, a common mission. I mean, look, this is rings true for everyone, but you know, we, we do this in our own marriage, but we, you know, we help other couples kind of develop that and it's not the solution to everything, but it, but it really helps is like, do you guys have a mission statement Mm -hmm. as a couple? They're like, what? No, like a common mission. Like, why do you exist together? You know, like, can you come up with that? And, and as they, because what's marriage unity. And when you're on mission together, there's a sense of unity. Like we're in this together, good, bad, and ugly. Right. Uh, and so companies, organizations, you know, like to have clarity in your mission, this is what happened. Pentecost This is what happened after the resurrection is that there became real clarity in the mission mm-hmm. of the church, right? And the apostles, what brought that clarity? Well, well, all of Jesus' teaching began to ring true. Everything that he said, they began to understand it how through the Holy Spirit, like revealing to them in their heart and empowering them, oh, this is it, and it became really clear. So, man, look, I love some, I love some Easter. It's some good stuff. I mean, I really do. It's th- and, and we talked about it, I, and I'm going to be honest, I couldn't wait for Lent to end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you did wait for a tan. I did. Which is amazing. In a good way. Like, I I just really went hard to the point where I was done, you know? Yeah. And and then you get to, like, live in the season. Look, like, life is cyclical. We're always constantly living Lent and Easter in our life. But, you know, beautiful. So, Well, if you follow the apostles, this is kind of the disoriented time, right? So this may be what you're experiencing, where you went through the Lent, you Mm -hmm. went through the Passion. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you're kind of like disoriented for 40 days as Jesus is appearing there, appearing there, and you don't know what's going on. And it's not until Pentecost that, like, everything makes sense. Right. Right? And so maybe you're experiencing that that Easter uh, joy, but also kind of like, I don't know what's happening. Well, have you ever been, like, slapped and somebody's just like, wake up, like, get in reality? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? That's never happened to me. Really? Not not literally slapped, but like oh. shaken. Yeah, like wake up. Like here's the truth. Here's the reality. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened at Pentecost. It's like bang, yeah. wake up. Like here it is. But, you know, we can't underestimate what happened, you know, when Jesus entered the doors and says receive the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them. Yeah. It, that's not, it's not a figure of speech. It's, it's not, it's not an analogy. Like he gave his life to live inside of them. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. the the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's not just a a cloud of something. You see, it it is the person, it is the the power, the love between the Father and the Son. It is the gift, it is the actual grace. It is it is a it is you know a person of the Trinity that lives inside of us. You know to to allow us, and it, it's one of the greatest mysteries in in, in, in all of. You know, the Trinity is like, how does the Holy Spirit work and whatever? We're going to unpack that over the course of Easter. Um, but anyway, so we, we can't not, not do a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? I like this story. It gives me a chuckle. Um, so there's in Berlin, which is in Germany. Okay, thank you. Firefighters... Uh, spent quite a while trying to free a squirrel that was caught in a in a manhole you know like the the coverings of i don't know in louisiana we don't have manholes because if you go down six feet under it's water right right but uh in larger areas or higher elevation there's sewage tunnels underneath the streets and there's a manhole Mm -hmm. so a squirrel was caught in like a little hole that where you open the manhole from Mm -hmm. 
but it it sounds like an easy fix, right? Let's just get the squirrel out. But it took hours because the firefighters say the squirrel was, quote, uncooperative. Oh, wow. Um, and so it ended up being quite complicated. And it took a whole team of them. And there's a picture of about six or seven firefighters. Um, and uh, it, <laughs> it took them quite a while to get this squirrel out. And so this is becoming famous in Germany as this uncooperative squirrel and this picture of four firemen working on getting a squirrel out of a hole in a manhole. Hmm. Um, now, when this happened, one of the firemen said, this happened, this same thing happened four years ago. Believe it or not, they look at pictures four years ago, it appears to be the same squirrel. Same squirrel, same <laughs> hole. <laughs> well, no. But the same squirrel that got caught in a manhole four years ago. How can they identify the squirrel? <laughs> well, they're looking at pictures because they took pictures then. I mean, <laughs> does it? Does every squirrel not look alike? Is it, I don't know. Is that? Can you say that? I don't know. They they can't say for sure, but this we're, fireman thinks it's squirrels the same. Be offended by that? It's statement? the same squirrel. <laughs> I'm offended by the fact that you called it a manhole. You know, like right. That's true. A person hole. Yeah. You know. A covering, a street covering. Yeah, yeah. Just totally <laughs> can't get past it. <laughs> just, you know, it's just, you got me off off center today. But the same squirrel got his head caught in a man, in a in a covering for a mm-hmm. person hole. And uh, four years. And <laughs> it's it was complicated because he was, quote, uncooperative. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, in a lot of ways, it's it's kind of the story of our life. You know, like we end up making the same mistakes over and over doing the same thing. And we're like, how did I end up here? And I've talked to a lot of people about that in their life is like, maybe you should change the way you do things. So you don't end up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and you know, you look at the life of Peter, I think he's sort of highlighted, you know, in his failure, you know, because there, and I think the reason we do that is because we can relate to that failure. We can relate to the fact that we're imperfect, that we deny Christ, that, you know, we have moments where we we stumble and fall, like Peter, right? Yeah. You know, we relate to him well. You know, and I think there's there's a beautiful, you know, relationship with him and the Lord of like Jesus just constantly being with him in his failure and then but not giving up on him. Yeah. You know, hey Peter, you ended up in, in the manhole again, you know <laughs> you know, and pulling him out and, and whatnot. And and that's our life. And it's the beauty, the beautiful thing about Easter, the Easter season leading to Pentecost, is that Jesus teaches us a new way to live through the Holy Spirit. He he gives us the sense of mission, like you were talking about, a sense of purpose and clarity, a sense of you know a real grace living in our life to like do things differently, even if they're hard. You know, I was having a conversation with uh, one of the guys from you know my men's group this morning on the phone, just as a side conversation, not in the group just about ways in his marriage that he's struggling. And I'm like, look, um, there's only one way forward. You're going to have to do some hard things, right? Like, And God does give you the grace to do that. Mm-hmm. He gives you the grace to do those hard things through the Holy Spirit, like to, to push through rejection, to, to love your wife, to pursue her, to, to deal with some of your brokenness and your wounds. Like, like that's the grace that we're given in Easter, yeah, as you say that, I'm reminded. So my family and I, on break, uh, the Easter break, went to um, Broken Bow, Oklahoma, 
Yes. And we did some hiking. Mm-hmm. And my five-year-old, Joseph, uh, said something very profound that reminds me of what you just said. But he, he has a tendency in general, and it was true on this trip, to kind of seek the riskiest thing to do possible. Right. And just only want to do that. He laughs in the face of danger. Yeah. Well, you know, as we're hiking through these uh, hills and, you know, there's some risky things, I said, Joseph, why do you always go to the riskiest thing? And you know what he said? Hmm. Because I want to be a man. Hmm. He just he just said that. And I stopped and I was like. It's in our There's DNA. some truth to that. Yeah, yeah. But like that, that that's a good thing, right. right? That God put in us that we want to do those riskiest, hardest things. And I could see his manhood becoming alive as we're walking around and he's risking death (laughs) as a five-year-old. It challenged me. Yeah. But it's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come back to that. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in today on uh, the radio, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. Uh, wonderful. Or on the podcast, wherever you are uh, around the world, whatever you listen on. Great Especially if you're in Berlin. Be with you. Easter season. Put the squirrels down and, and listen to yeah, the show. Yeah, Berlin, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we have any listeners in Berlin. You know? You're always attracted to these have you scenes with like animals stuck in trees or like these <laughs> I weird, am. weird stories. I've, they know, fascinate it's me. It's crazy to me that, you know, and look, whatever, uh, <laughs> to all the animal lovers, like save the squirrels, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like you have like four or five paid firemen dealing with one like six-ounce squirrel. For hours. For hours. And there's probably like, you know, homeless people in the street, people dying, mm-hmm. you know, babies being murdered in a, you know, you know, some abortion clinic down the street. That's and a good point. I, I need to, I need to ask you this because this, not, have, not to downplay the, the life of the squirrel. Totally. It's a living creature. God loves that squirrel. Yes. Um, but I need, I need some, uh, free counseling over the air. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm sure you encounter this a lot. If people tell you, like, I feel like I'm stuck or I feel like I can't get traction on certain things in my life or whatever. And then you probably, I would imagine, kind of walk through a scenario where you find out that they're spending four hours on a squirrel when they could have been spending 10 minutes on something else. Is this a common occurrence? Yes. And so that feeling of being stuck is not so much like about external things that are happening as much as like internal attention, let's say, like what I'm choosing to be attentive to. Mm. So... Walk me through that scenario. You must see it a lot. And like, how do you, how do you shift attention away from the squirrel? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. It's a good, yeah, it's a good analogy. You know, um, 
Yeah, and there's a lot there. Like one, yeah, the squirrel needs to be free. Free the squirrel. And like, let's get on with your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just time to like, yeah, move on. And I, but I do think this is a lot of times, like when it, maybe a sense of healing or a sense of like moving past something, people have a hard time moving on. So they just go back to it. They they like live in the past or live in their regret or live in this old pattern of the way they do things, you know. And so like in talking to my friends, like 25 years of just living this way in their marriage, they don't know how to do it differently. And it's like you don't have to do it the same way you've been doing it, obviously. But it's going to take time. It's going to take some hard work, you know. And you were talking about your son, Joseph, like risking mm-hmm. and just this, you know, in, in the nature of him as a little boy, a five-year-old on a trail just wanting to like – do the dangerous things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like in the DNA of a little boy, not that girls don't want danger and stuff like that. I'm not saying, but like, he just like says, I want to be a man. You didn't, you didn't teach him that statement. No, no he no. just like came out of him. Right. Like yeah. nature teaches us a lot about who we are. Right. Because mm-hmm. God is in nature. God created nature. God created us. And, and nature reveals, you know, who we are as men and women and, and our identity a lot, you know, and what we're about. And it's very natural uh, for a man to be risky and to, to seek adventure, even to the point of death, right? Like even the point of doing the stupid things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and we look at Peter, right? Um, but it's but it's in that risk that we come alive, you know, and it's in the mission, risking in the mission that the disciples became alive, you mm-hmm. know? But what what thwarts man from being risky and on mission is rejection and failure. Hmm. And when men, particularly, I'm speaking for men, uh, experience rejection and failure in their marriage or, or in their life or in their work, they, they begin to kind of pull back and, and go to a safe place. Hmm. Where do I feel accepted, not rejected? Where do I feel adequate? Um, and so they go to maybe a work or money or a hobby or other things because they've been rejected by their own wife or in their marriage or their family or their kids. And so like in the rejection, like, like, you know, what, what did Adam do? And, you know, instead of like entering into the mission and the adventure, he, he ejected mm-hmm. out of the situation. Right. So you're saying that focusing on the squirrel can feel safe. Because I feel like I can get a squirrel out of a, yes. a manhole. Yeah. And I, I'll spend four hours on that because it's safe and I feel adequate. Yes. Because yeah. I'm too afraid to do the, the risky thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll spend, you know, five hours doing this hobby or mm. a weekend doing it or, you know, at work a lot because I just feel adequate. I feel focused. And yet I go home and it's and it's like it feels like I, I, I can't find my way. I feel lost, right? Man. And, and that's the hard thing is like... Here's the thing where we thrive the most men, and I'm talking specifically to men. Okay. So like the women listen to this is like, I'm not, not talking about you. I'm just talking about in the work that I do with, with guys is like, we come alive when we have, you know, um, a mission and we're on pursuit and we're, we're, um, on this adventure. Right. And we have to, we come alive when we push through rejection and failure. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, thanks for the free counseling. So rejection and failure in our marriages, particularly because if we're married, like that's that's the place that we 
become saints, that we get yeah. to heaven. And so we're 100% going to fail at times in our marriage or oh, yeah. get rejected, you know, or hurt our spouse. But like to push through the rejection and failure and to continue to pursue our family, our wives, and our kids despite it is where the tension meets, right? Mm-hmm. It's pushing past that. It's, it's uh, you know, allowing Jesus to pick us up when Peter's walking on the water and begins to sink, you know? Well, I guess that's why our Lord told us so much about forgiveness, um, forgiveness of each other, mm-hmm. right? Seventy times, seven times, because we're going to hurt each other and fail. But then also to, to pray for our enemies and those that persecute us, right? So this this habit, this Christian habit of starting over relationally, mm-hmm. even if they don't change, right? So like if, if, uh, if I'm failing in my marriage or I failed in my marriage— it's amazing the new heart God can give us if each morning we renew that commitment to him to forgive those that have hurt us, even if it's our spouse or our children or our friends or our coworkers like that hurt us deeply the day before. Right. That night or the next morning to to forgive them and to wish them well and to pray for them, man, that that's so freeing to be able to push forward and move on. Right. Because if you're stuck at the bottom of the uh, cliff where Joseph might have been, although he didn't, by the way, he did great. <laughs> He risked and he succeeded. But let's say he failed and fell. Mm-hmm. Get up, right? And, and right. the getting up part is that forgiveness. Right. And that prayer for those that have hurt us and rejected us. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's the hard work is is pushing through the mercy, the forgiveness, the resolution, the rejection, the inadequacy. Like... And this is where I really believe that the grace of Jesus through the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, help me to push through this. Jesus, you know, help me to say, I'm sorry. Jesus, help us to reconcile. Push me forward when I can't physically on my own do this, right? When I can't love like you would love or do as you would do. Like, this is the life of Jesus living in us, you know? So when we do something, as Christians, heroic, and I'm not talking about like jumping in front of a bus to save someone's life. Yeah, that might happen. I'm talking about like just walking into our home when we feel like we don't have enough to love. That's heroic to me. Mm-hmm. And allowing the grace of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to just move us through the front door. Because mm-hmm. this is, this is for those guys who are married, like this is our church. Yeah. This is, this is our domestic home where we're called to lead and, and to be saints. And this is, but this is the place where we feel most inadequate and rejected at times, and and yet we'd rather go into the yard, mm-hmm. right? Like find the squirrel, find the squirrel, focus on that, and uh, you know it's just it's the cycle that we have to get out of, so that we can we can be on mission, we can have clarity to the mission you were mentioning in the first segment. Man, I think you're touching on something so profound with the Easter mystery, because I mean when our Lord appeared to the apostles for the first time risen right the same people that abandoned him except for john that denied him that didn't stay true to him that they failed right these men failed jesus and the first time he appears he tells them peace right he gives them peace and then also breathes into them by that spirit the ability to forgive sins and so there is this profound connection that the risen christ 
who can't we there's nothing we can't conquer because Christ has conquered sin and death. Like there's nothing in the way. We can always push through. But it requires a, a an outpouring of mercy from the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us. And uh yeah, I think you're touching on some a profound connection of the Easter mystery and this power of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins, for the reconciliation of people, um, for pushing through those moments of, of difficulty and strife wherever we find them, because Christ has conquered sin and death. What other enemy can there be? Right. What can stand in our way now? Hmm. He's conquered it all. Right. He has, and this is the mystery that I think I even wrestle with in my own life. I don't know about you, is that like there's the tension. It's like we know that Jesus rose. We know that he did crazy miracles and amazing things, that that he breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples, the apostles, and 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 they evangelized the world. And like we're here today as Christians. And we see all these miracles happen. And yet life's hard. Mm-hmm. And like where where is the Holy Spirit when things are just a mess in my life mm-hmm. and and feel really difficult and hard to do when I don't see miracles, when I don't see the fruits, right? Like where, where is, where is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You know, and I think that's the mystery that we, we wrestle with. We, we see in scripture, all the highlights, you know, so, right. <laughs> right. so scripture isn't written as a day-to-day, uh, you know, book, not a day-to-day history yeah, it's not a diary or a lesson journal. or yeah mm-hmm. day-to-day diary you know like so if you were to if you were to space out like all these amazing moments they highlight in scripture is that you the disciples still just woke up every day and ate breakfast yeah and and lived life and had hard days and had to figure out how to have money and pay bills mm-hmm. right like yeah. they, they had to do all these things figure out where to structure and strategize and, and work and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, like, th- th- those are all the things that are unwritten about what they did that were really difficult. And yet they have these highlighted moments where they saw God work and, and, and the Holy Spirit move. And I think that's just our life, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. just going to be some very just, you know, normal, vanilla days, hard days, and there's going to be some moments where God calls us and, and something heroic happens. Man, you're bringing up something so important. Like, I imagine for St. Paul, like, when he referenced his hardest days, he was he would boast about Christ in those hard days, right? Like, so he would talk about being shipwrecked twice and being stoned and abandoned by all of his friends. But he would speak about that in a boasting way. But the thing he would not boast about, necessarily, in the same way, is this thorn in the flesh that he talked about that he prayed God take from him, but he never did. Hmm. And I imagine it's it was probably, a, I mean, Scripture scholars have speculated, but I imagine it was probably a more mundane thing, right? Like a temptation he was always facing, an inadequacy he felt present all the time in him that just wouldn't go away. It was an imperfection. But that, would, that came up in the daily life stuff, and, and not I, so much in the shipwrecking and all the <clears throat> really disaster things, but in just trying to relate to people. Right. And we all have those, you know, and this isn't to justify maybe like a, like a, like a mortal sin that we constantly struggle with to say, oh, well, that I'm just like made to be that way. No, I, I honestly think more for Paul, you know, that the thorn in the side was just an, a human imperfection, mm-hmm. right? We all have human imperfections. Like we're just not perfect. We're gonna, we're gonna have good days and bad, and we're gonna fail at that. And we're gonna, 
be joyful at times and sad at times. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, maybe for Paul, it was the fact that he was moody. Yeah. You know, maybe his thorn in his side was the fact that he was like crass and he, he wanted to be more joyful. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like right. maybe, he, you know, there wasn't much about personalities and temperaments back then. And maybe he's like, why the heck am I just like, want to punch people in the face like <laughs> you know like maybe part of his personality yeah i think the thorn in the side was just looking in the mirror and be like man like as hard as i'm trying i'm not perfect yeah right yeah but but that and i think you bring up a great point is like okay so what do we do with that is like i believe that the meeting point for us in jesus is the very thorn mm-hmm. in our side mm-hmm. what is that thorn what is the place in you that is in most need of Jesus that you're just like, man, I just can't solve this on my own. Mm-hmm. That's the meeting place. That's like, that's our prayer. Like that's where we meet Jesus. Lord, I'm, I want to be better or different or, you know, not, not what I'm saying. Like, like I want to be a different person. Like I want to be someone else like envy. No, like I want to be fully me, but, but with you, but with you. Yeah. I think, you know, there's an analogy there with couples that, the best marriages don't, they don't strive to become complete people apart from each other, right? So, like, you know, um, the husband's not helping the wife become a complete, virtuous, self-sufficient person who needs nothing from the husband, and vice versa. But rather, they find those places where they are weak and will probably always be, and then become each other's champion in the weakness, I think that's what you're describing, is mm-hmm. that Jesus wants to be our champion. There are things about us that the Lord is going to keep weak right. the rest of our life. Yeah, and that's what really stinks. I, I'm going to say some other words. But, it, <laughs> you know, but it's the meeting place for me and Jesus. It is. Like, I'm, I, there's some imperfections in my personality and the way, it, you know, I'm like, I'm just never going to be fully, like, perfect until heaven, right? And one of the conversations I was having with, with you know, this friend about his marriage is like, the way that you become a saint and is heroic is one, you deal with your own wounds and issues mm-hmm. to the point where you can push through rejection in your marriage and love your wife and her imperfections. Mm-hmm. You're called to be Jesus to her, which means to love her unconditionally when she is an absolute mess. Yep. Yeah. I mean, can you do that? I mean, that's ultimately what it is. Well, and the only way you really can is if you're allowing yourself to be loved like that. If you let Jesus love you that way. Amen. That, right? And that's it. Because how are you going to imitate what you've never seen? Exactly. You focus on the squirrel. Mm-hmm. Right? And so now that he's kind of going through some healing and some wounds, and so the, the rejection <clears throat> isn't pushing him away, right? Mm-hmm. He's able to kind of talk to the Lord about the rejection. Who am I? Well, you're my son. Your, your identity's in me. Keep moving forward. Keep pushing forward, right? Yeah. I mean, think about the disciples getting persecuted over and over again. Like, they had to continue to be reminded about who they were in Christ, right? Yeah. This is hard. This is difficult. This is not easy. It's not like they just walked to town and town, popped up churches. I mean, people tried to <laughs> kill them. Like right. The, the amount and succeeded. Of, yeah. Absolutely succeeded. <laughs> so, like, like we, we can't have these rose-colored glasses on about the life of in Christ and the life of the Holy Spirit, right? Like it, yeah. it is where it all comes together, but it it's never easy. So. No. Well, but I think the the clarity of purpose after 
the resurrection. I mean, the church got a formalized mission statement, which was go into the whole world, teach what I've taught you, and baptize. Mm-hmm. Um, it also got a great slogan, Jesus is alive. Right. And these these things are given to us. We didn't create them. They're given to us. And I think for most of us, we feel the most lost, not so much when things are going terribly, but when we seem to have no purpose in general. And sometimes things are going terribly, but sometimes they're just the mundane everyness of life. Totally. Where we feel like we're just doing the same thing over and over again. But what's the point? Like taxes. Right. Like, why does that come every year? It really sucks. What's the point? What's the point? But for the Christian, to me, those are the moments where you you look back at the mission statement. Mm. So, like, for example, my job. How is my job helping me to proclaim that Jesus is alive to everybody else? Right. How is my job helping to promote the gospel to teach all nations and then baptize? Like, how am I working to do that? Right. And that's where I'm going to find the real purpose and meaning to my work. How is my family? How is my are my friendships? And and this is what Easter ought to do every year for us, is that we revisit this very simple, clear mission statement of the church. And uh, Cast your nets. Yeah. And it's risky. It ought to be anyway. Mm. Um, and that this is the beautiful analogy. You'll read this Sunday. Uh, I mean, this week, uh, not this Sunday, is this Sunday is the breathing of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful reading. But like the, the one of the Gospels this week is, you know, that, Jesus meets them on on the beach, right? Like he, mm-hmm. third time he appears to them. I think they went fishing, uh, and they were fishing the same way they were always fishing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, "Do it differently." Like, "Hey, have you caught anything?" No. Oh, what do we do? Cast on the other side. Okay, we're going to do that differently. We're going to obey you. And remember, like the first time Jesus did this was when he called the disciples at, at the beginning of his ministry, and Peter was like, "We've been fishing all night. I'm not doing that." This time, Peter's they he didn't they didn't even question it. They just said okay. You know, like the more that you walk with Christ, you just learn to say yes. You become obedient, mm-hmm. right? And and that's that's where it's like I don't have to wake up today and say, you know, am I going to be married? I just made that commitment before I woke up, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have to recommit to like, well, how, how good do I want to be married? And mm-hmm. and how 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 much do I want to do the hard work? to have a good marriage, right? Like the same thing is, is in our relationship with Christ is like, we just have to make a decision. Am I following Christ? Yes. Okay. Then what's my commitment to that? And, and, and how, how much am I into that? You know, am I all in? Am am I going to really grow this? Because guess what? There's going to be days where it's just going to really stink. It's going to be hard. It's not going to work out well. Yeah. Well, and that, that happened in the morning, right? So when they finally got to shore and cooked, they ate breakfast so this was an early morning situation. I think there's something to that where every day there should be an encounter with the risen Lord. Like that when we wake up, we should run to the tomb that's now empty and meet Jesus or run to the shore and meet Jesus and then hear him say to cast the net on a certain side that day, right? Right. And uh, to me, on my own personal journey with the Lord, that means that every morning I pray for my wife, I pray for my kids, I pray for the people I know I'm going to see that day, so that 
I'm casting the net of prayer and grace and God's blessing through Jesus Christ on the people I'm going to encounter that I know I'm going to encounter. There's a lot of people I don't know I'm going to encounter that day, but there's a lot of people I know I'm going to encounter, right? And so to cast the net of grace and blessing on the people, that's a pretty simple thing to do, and it's it's a simple commitment. But that's what every morning prayer, this is why the church says we have to do it. Because in the morning, Jesus is calling us to cast nets every morning. And uh, we're, we're going to listen to that, mm. and that sets the tone for our day, or we're not. Right. We're right. just going to keep doing the same thing we've been doing. Let's not. Let's do it differently. You know, let's allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to do it differently, you know? And we we, we got to believe, like, if, we're, if we say that we're Christian, we've got to believe that the Holy Spirit, you can't just say, like, oh, I don't believe in one person of the Trinity. Like, the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that lives in us. We receive it at baptism and confirmation. And, you know, it's God's presence, his grace living in us to move us forward, to live just day to day. Mm-hmm. Right. And and to to do hard things, to do good things, to have have the gifts and the fruits that we need to live this life. And you know, like we just ask the Holy Spirit to help me in this moment. Come Holy Spirit, help me in this moment. Well it's so interesting that our Lord tells us many things about the Holy Spirit, but a couple of them to your point that you're bringing up, he says the wind's gonna blow where it wills. We're not gonna know where it goes or where it comes from. Like there there's a wildness to the Holy Spirit that we can't control. However, in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us, you know, what what father among you would hand your son a snake if he asked for an egg or a fish for a scorpion? I forget the ordering, but something like that, right? Something like that. And then he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Mm. And so the church has always seen this as a teaching from our Lord that literally every time we ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will grant him. Every time. And so there's this confidence that while I can't control what the Holy Spirit's going to do, right? Like, so if I'm going to, you know, this morning, Paul, if I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes into your life, or right now, or the people listening, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the people listening to this podcast, Two things I know for sure. God's going to answer that prayer, yes. Right? There's, right. No, there's no no answer to that. The Holy Spirit will come when asked. But secondly, I'm not, I can't control what that looks like. Right? Like I can't tell God what that looks like. I have to give God the freedom to move in people's life. And I get disappointed if I don't see the results the way I want them. But like you were saying earlier, the, the sense of rejection and failure can cause us to stop asking for the Holy Spirit because maybe it's not turning out the way I want it to. But that's the whole point is that I can't control God that way. But in a certain sense, I can control my asking for the Holy Spirit. And so one of the uh, easiest commitments that every Christian ought to have, Pope, Pope Francis actually brought this up in his um, Chrism Mass homily to priests. He said, we need to renew our commitment to ask for the Holy Spirit, hmm. to ask for the Spirit to come down into the church and into our ministry. Amen. And this is a basic commitment, to ask for the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God okay. always says yes. Let's take a break. Let's ask for that. All right, we'll be right back. 
Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity Health Share, 844 387 8533. Welcome back to the show. We've got some Easter music rolling. How long is the Easter season, Deacon? 50 days. 50 days, and it leads to? Pentecost. Yeah, so 50 days of Easter leads to Pentecost, and we're going to pray that by the end of the 50 days, and I don't know how many shows we'll do in that time. I can't do the math, but that we'll receive a new refreshing gift of the Holy Spirit. Like That's what I'm talking about, Paul George. Pope Benedict, like he, I mean, hey, just ask for it. Ask for the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about, Paul George. Yeah. That's easy to do. I mean, do you think he needed the Holy Spirit to be Pope? Yes. To make yeah. tough decisions? Yes. To wake up and pray every day? Yes. I mean, did you see the... I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll raise the ante on that. I think if you and I found out that the Pope didn't pray for the Holy Spirit every day, we'd be mad. We'd be like, well, he's not taking his job seriously. <laughs> well, guess what? Look in the mirror, folks. If yeah. you're a husband, a wife, a Christian, anything, and you're not asked for the Holy Spirit daily... Mm-hmm. Are we really taking our vocation seriously? Right. Right. I know. Now he does ask for the Holy Spirit daily. But not all of us. Not know? all of us. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. So what are you proposing that we ask for the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you know, I think oftentimes like we can complicate like the Holy Spirit. So like you know um you know, it's like it's like the Eucharist. Like we just know that it's Jesus. Mhm. Or we have faith, so we go to Mass and we receive the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. Or we talk about God, God is Father, and we relate to Him, right? Uh, we know God is Son, Jesus, and, and we have some images of Him because, you know, we have this Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And God is Father, the Old Testament, like we see, and we all have these different images, but God is Spirit. It's a little bit harder to kind of wrap our minds around because, you know, Spirit is invisible. Right, mm-hmm. grace is invisible, right? But it, it is in the invisible presence that's made known in our life, like like that lives inside of us. So, and there becomes a physical reality of the spirit where we see in the sacramental life of the church, where the the Eucharist becomes the Eucharist, the bread. We can see the sacramental, like that's through the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can see. The Holy Spirit is sort of like the wind. We can't see the wind, but we can see the wind move, mm-hmm. right? We can see leaves fall and blow, right? Mm-hmm. So we're like, I don't see the wind, but I see the results of the wind, right? I see the wind is active. That's the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't see the Holy Spirit, but I see the Holy Spirit active in my life. How? I don't know. By the decisions I make, mm-hmm. by the 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 morals that I follow by the virtues that, that begin to grow in my life, 
by pushing through hard things, by doing hard, by waking up and praying, by going to mass. Like that is like, so if you want to begin to put tangible, um, you know, eyesight to the Holy Spirit is look the visible actions of your life that are towards the good, towards the holy, mm-hmm. you know, loving someone, doing something. That, that is the Holy Spirit active through grace. Yeah. So the, we can't overcomplicate it. It, is, it shouldn't. Is, is that, you know, we got to ask for it. So, okay, let's, let's do it. A six-pack of questions. Question. <laughs> let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. All right, so question number one. Please. Um, I want to hear about, uh, I saw that you had gone to Homa, Louisiana, this week is that right? I'm going. You're going this week. to Homa. Yeah, I'm going this week. What are you doing? Because it seemed interesting. I uh, want to hear about it. They're they're having uh, an uh, a night. Call, they call it lift. It's a night of adoration and prayer, and I'm giving a talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm excited to go back home. So if you listen to this, it's going to be in Homa this coming up Thursday night. If you're mm-hmm. in that area, so yeah. But anyway, I'm going to give a talk. On Thursday. this coming Thursday, yeah, that's awesome. And I'm still working on the talk and being empowered in the Holy Spirit to live our life, or something like that. Question number two is related to this, and it actually came up yesterday because my family and I were invited to attend a um, a, uh, a holy hour this coming Monday at, at uh, a local church that's going to have you know a lot of music and families just praying. And I, it reminded me of the many, many times that I was in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament asking for the Holy Spirit, asking for God's grace, and, and just God's movement. So that wind you were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. the effects, the whatever. Um, and I realized that like my kids really haven't been around that much. Hmm. And so uh, it renewed in me this commitment to go to the Lord in those moments. Um, hmm. But anyway, I, I'm thinking about our listeners right now and like, how important is that experience of in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament with the Lord, with other Christians where you're praying and you're seeking the Lord, and exactly what you'll be doing on Thursday, I guess. It mm-hmm. sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, how is that important for the Christian? Like, what does that offer us, and, and um, what benefit does that bring, especially in relationship to the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, it's like a car, man. A car needs gas to go, or it runs out. I mean, it could look like a good car, but if it doesn't run, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can have the nicest car, but if you can't put gas in it, it doesn't really matter. And the reality is, is that going to prayer, going to the sacraments fuels us. It, it, God's grace fuels us to live our life, right? And so, like, just as Mother Teresa said, the more work that she had, the more that they would commit to praying, because the only way they could do the work is to fuel up for Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And to not overcomplicate it. People ask her, like, what do you do in those many hours of adoration. She says, well, I look at him and he looks at me, mm-hmm. right? Like being in the gaze, G-A-Z-E, the, 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 of, of Jesus, you know, right? Like, like to being in the presence fills us up, you know? And the same is with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's active in those moments. We ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up and to, um, you know, yeah, be united with him. All right, you got That's another awesome. question? Yes, question number three. So we talked about uh, our German squirrel friend yeah. who got stuck, yeah. apparently 
four years yeah. apart for yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess my, my question would be, when we realize that we have certain things we talked about doing that we feel comfortable and adequate that are keeping us from doing the risky thing that we know we ought to be doing, um, how does one learn this habit of, of kind of like risky business, let's say, this habit of, of like, okay, I want to do X, mm-hmm. but I know I ought to do Y. How do you learn the habit of like stopping yourself from X and just pursuing the Y? Like what... How do you learn that? Because if you don't have it in you, are we just doomed? Are we just doomed to X? Are we doomed to be the squirrel? Well, I mean, one of the, you know, the fruits of Lent, okay, not to circle back, is like to deny ourselves, to say no, to build in the virtue of no, to deny. And so, like, if I have certain habits and I don't have the virtue to say no to them, then, like, yeah. So, like, I need to build up the muscles to say no through God's grace. And then I need to maybe have people to help me say no, you know? So saying no. Saying no to those and moving on, you know? But That's inviting huge. people. Here's what I find the most part, and whoever's listening to this, is that when people are struggling, they tend to hide and they struggle alone. And that's the worst thing to do, is to isolate yourself in your shame and in your struggle. And the best thing that you can do is invite trusted friends and people into that to help you along. You know, man, that's big. Just saying no. Yeah, that'd be a good book. Just say no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. You question. keep bringing up a squirrel. I mean, it's like <laughs> these themes we have. It's just like we can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four. Um, so we talked about uh, the risen Lord appearing to the disciples on the shore and casting their nets. And, uh, you know, when we hear these stories, I think something comes alive in us as a Christian that we want to, we want to hear the Lord speak to us that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, how do we continue to hear the Lord speak to us like that? Like what, what can we do in our life where we have a habit of, of listening to the Lord in that way, where we let him speak to us in those challenging ways to call us to something bigger and greater? How do we keep listening to him? Well, we have to we have to have quiet in our life. We do. We just have to. Mm-hmm. We got to turn. Look, we got to turn it all off and have quiet. You mentioned early in the morning when Jesus appeared as they were fishing, like just the quiet with Jesus. We got to have that. If we don't have, if our life is constantly noise, I mean, we we lose the gaze of Jesus. So, it's just. It's just, you know, done from there. You said it. You named it. Yeah. All right. We're almost out of time, man. We're on <laughs> question right. four. Question uh, five. Five, six. And six together. Okay. Um, so we mentioned getting ready for Pentecost, ask for the Holy Spirit. What are some ways you recommend doing that? Like in these 50 days of Easter, looking forward to Pentecost, what could we do to actually ask the Holy Spirit into our life? Whew. I mean, I think ask. You know, ask for the grace that whatever happened at your baptism and confirmation would begin to grow. Like, give the Holy Spirit permission to move in your life. And like I said, you can't see it, but you could see it in action. Let the action of God grow in your life. Let the wind show you, you know, the results of the Holy Spirit. So come Holy Spirit, move in our life, grow, empower us to do the things of God in our life. That's it. The little things and the big things, whatever it is. So, amen. 
Amen. So we're just, yeah, it's all good. Great show, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm motivated. Yeah, you are. I want to preach the gospel yeah. to the ends of the world. So thanks, everyone, for listening in, being a part of the show, uh, share it on the podcast, and we'll be back next week. Good to be back. God bless.